This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. We've been talking a lot about customer experience lately, and today I want to talk about three major mistakes in customer experience. And these are three major mistakes that many companies make. So the first one is what I'm going to call forgetting the importance of the customer, having the wrong attitude towards the customer. There are many people who just don't seem to remember or understand that without customers, you have no business. The customers are the ones who essentially pay the bills of the business, pay the salaries of the people in the business, including you as an executive or the president of the business. So you want to remember that customers are valuable partners in your success. And yet many companies treat customers more like pains in the rear or problems to be eradicated. And this, of course, is a major mistake and a wrong attitude. Often we see this dilemma in business to customer or B2C relationships when we're looking at people who are on the front lines and they're the customer facing team members or employees of the business. And sometimes those frontline workers, they show that they really don't understand the importance of valuing the customer. And let me give some common examples of things that you might see in a retail environment, a B2C type environment. Let's say there's a counter and the customer normally would come up to the counter to make a purchase, to bring their merchandise and so on. And the person who's on the cash register, instead of facing the customer so they can see who's coming in and who's at the counter, they have their back to the customer. They're doing something over there in the background. And so therefore, they're not making any attempt to see if customers need any kind of service or if they need anything special. And this could go on for five minutes or more. I've been in situations like this. And you might have to try to clear your throat, knock on the counter. Often there's no bell or anything like that. And the person may or may not turn around, depending on just how severe this wrong attitude might be in that particular business. So most of the time, when I've seen this behavior in action in an operation, the clerk is not doing anything that they could not turn around and face the customer and also do. Maybe there is a counter back there and they've got something on that counter. They could move those items in such a way that they could face the front, therefore be alert, be aware when a customer is present and continue to do whatever task they're doing until someone comes. However, if you're a customer and you arrive and that's how you're treated, that doesn't feel very special. It's not good customer service, nor is it good customer experience because you feel as though as the customer, you're not very important. Another comment that you see in the B2C environment is that the clerk or the person at the counter 
is talking on the telephone in what is obviously a personal phone call, talking to their friends, talking to a family member, having a conversation that you end up hearing even though you don't want to hear the conversation. And often it's a crazy conversation that you probably shouldn't be hearing. And there's no real attention from the clerk because they're really embroiled in whatever this personal conversation is. That's another example of forgetting the importance of the customer. In other cases and occasions, when the customer comes into the store or comes up to the counter, you see the clerk roll their eyes You see them move slow like molasses to come. And then they act like, oh, why did you come in here today? I don't have time for you. I don't feel like waiting on you right now. In fact, I don't even want to be here today. I don't even want to be in this job. And on top of it, adding insult to injury, they're loudly popping chewing gum or doing something else that is unprofessional. And remember, this is the front face of your business, employees who are operating like this. Sometimes there's what I'll call a real incongruity between what people are saying and what they're doing in terms of their body language and voice tone. So maybe you're there and they're saying, can I help you? And the voice tone is kind of like that. They're not very animated They look like the air has just been pulled out of them. The plug has just been pulled out of them. So as a customer, you don't feel like this person really wants to help you. And so when those nonverbals don't match the verbals, people usually pay attention more to the nonverbals. And they assume that whatever you're saying, you really don't mean that because obviously your behavior is telling a very different story. And other times, And it may not be for any clear and obvious reasons. And sometimes it's because people in the store are legitimately and genuinely busy. And so when the customer comes in, they make no eye contact with the customer. They act like they are really busy. They don't acknowledge the presence of the customer. And this is very off-putting. What would be a better strategy and a better approach is to at least say, hello, thank you for coming in. I'll be with you shortly, or someone will be with you shortly, if not that person. This way, you know that the person sees you, you see that they acknowledge you, they know that you're there, and there is a plan to provide some service to you. I know that in the remote past, when I lived in the South, it was kind of like a code. If I went into an establishment, they made no eye contact. And for X number of minutes, they didn't act like they were planning to serve me. Chances are in those Southern towns, they had no intentions of serving me as an African-American person. And this was clearly the message. You're not valued. You're not welcome here. We have no intentions of serving you. So if that happens today, even though that may not be the meaning in that store, it conjures up those same bad memories. And I don't know if that store or if that person is saying, you can stand here as long as you want. We never will serve you and have no intention of serving you. So you have to be thinking about what is the unintended message you might give to the customer when you fail to acknowledge their presence or to say, we'll be with you shortly. Or sorry for the wait and the delay. We're a little busy right now. However, we are coming to you. That's very 
reassuring, and especially from someone in, from my background when these behaviors usually have meant something else. Now, in a business-to-business context or B2B, a lot of times what happens there when people have forgotten that customers really are important and should be treated important is that maybe that business client that's really part of your portfolio and that you're supposed to call on, meaning someone who works for you, a team member, you get busy and those frontline people don't return those calls. They don't keep in touch with the people in their account. They don't prioritize what's important to the clients. The client might need to have a question answered that day or the next day. You think it's okay to wait three days before you call. And you don't call in the meantime to say there's an unexpected delay, why there might be a delay, or to tell them when you're going to call instead. So in this kind of context, again, the customer feels that they're not valued, they're not important. It's very important to think about what does it feel like in your customer's chair? What does it feel like walking in their shoes if you were treated the way that you are treating them, what are some takeaway messages that you might conclude, whether true or not? Because people are making up stories in their own minds as to why you're not calling back, as to why you're not answering their questions. So you want to think about the fact that in most businesses, clients do have other choices. And if they don't have them now, They'll have them in the future because someone's going to look at how you're treating the customer in your business, and they're going to say, we can provide much better customer service and a much greater customer experience in this same line of work, and therefore, we will be the go-to people and not this business that doesn't know how to value and treat customers. And if you're in an industry where there are very few players, and maybe you're the only game in town. So people really do have to come to you for whatever the service is. They're only going to tolerate you so long as you're the only game in town or until a new game comes that understands what's important and is willing to provide a better customer experience. And in today's world, when you can do a lot of purchasing and a lot of relationships virtually, you may find that an out-of-town provider is going to be preferred over you, even though there may be some inconvenience to that because the customer experience that you're delivering is noxious to the customer and the customer is not feeling valued. So that number one major mistake is forgetting the importance of the customer having the wrong attitude towards the customer. Number two, what I would call is a wrong focus. And this is when a business is so focused on the kind of ratings and scores that they get, they're concerned with the customer rankings and awards that they might receive far more than they really are concerned about true customer service or customer experience. So in these cases, they hand out the surveys to the customers They ask only the questions that they think will lead to them receiving the right numbers that they want. They're going for the net promoter score in that 8 to 10 range, and they're doing everything they can to make sure that that happens. However, they don't really care 
about the kind of service or the kind of experience they're delivering, they're not even interested in asking questions that are really of concern to the customer so that they could get the feedback that would help them to make the business better. So if you really want to know how customers are feeling about your business, ask the questions that you think are important and also leave space for them to give you feedback about what you're not asking. Because it could be that what's really important to them is not really what you're asking about. So you want the customer to have an opportunity to share what they care about more than just you getting an answer on what you care about absent of the customer being part of that equation. So when organizations are focused on these scores, when they're focused on these awards, so they get in the newspaper, the trade magazine, or whatever it is, this is a focus on what I call the window dressing rather than focusing on the substance of what they're really doing at work. And in the final analysis, if your business doesn't reflect the numbers that you claim you've received in the ratings, if your business does not reflect the awards that you may have received in the industry, no one is going to believe the numbers, no one is going to believe the awards, and no one's really going to care. And after they've shopped you once, maybe twice, they're not coming back. So that's a wrong focus on scores and awards more than on truly understanding the customer and meeting what's important to the customer. The third area that I would say is a wrong area and a big mistake is what I'll call the wrong philosophy. Philosophy in a company is something that is taught and it's something that's transferred. It's when you as a business decide, how do you want to be known in the marketplace? How do you want people to see you in the marketplace? And you cannot assume that all of your team members, all of your employees automatically get this and share that same vision of how you want to show up in the marketplace. So that means you must spend time really talking about the core values of the business. This is how we do things. We do things with a great level of excellence. We do things such that the customer is satisfied. We listen to the unique scenarios and challenges of the customer. And if there's any way that we can alleviate the concern or the difficulty or the problem, we get creative and we think outside the box and we make it happen because that's then a delighted customer, a happy customer who's likely to come back. You might want to share with your team members and employees that part of the values are to serve at a very high level the customer and not just to always say, no, I'm sorry, we don't do that. No, we can't do that. When you say no all the time, the customer definitely doesn't feel important, doesn't feel valued. So instead of thinking about all the rules, all the regulations, and all the places where you can say no, you might say, well, 
think about that. Maybe there's another way to meet this need. We're not quite able to do A, but you know what? What we could do is we could do B. And B would help meet this concern that you have. And you then customize a solution for that customer. It may not be exactly what they asked for, but it meets the need and goes a little bit above and beyond so that you still have the wow and the delight factor in the customer experience. So I think that part's really important is transferring this philosophy about who you are. That means in your business, you want to collect examples of people in the company who've provided this excellent customer experience. What are those stories of customer experience in action? And you want to share those at large with the rest of the organization. So this is a picture of who we are and who we want to be in the marketplace. This is how we want to show up. And when so-and-so crafted this unique solution for this customer, they shined us in a good light. They serviced the customer. They made us memorable. And those are the values that we want to repeat over and over again. So you want your team members to know of the abundance mindset that you have towards your business. If you preach every day to your team members a mindset of scarcity, they will treat the customers with a mindset of scarcity. And that mindset of scarcity says, we're just stuck in our own way of looking at things. We're blind to any other opportunities and possibilities. And the answer is going to be no. And you're going to leave here less than delighted. So help your team members to always think about how can we say yes, even if it means getting very creative, and how can we say yes without violating any core principles at the same time? There are often many ways to say yes that you haven't thought of yet if you'll only take the time to brainstorm and figure it out. And if you feel like you're not creative enough in the moment yourself, you could ask the person to wait and consult with someone else, brainstorm together and see what you can come up with that really would show the philosophy of the company of providing excellence, of providing that customer experience at a high level. Just understand that your people need to see pictures of it. They need to have conversations about it so that they know what it looks like, what's expected, and what's okay from your vantage point. A lot of times people are fearful of making choices that are outside of the norm. They fear they're going to get in trouble. And this is the reason that they don't embrace the philosophy of the company. However, if you share the philosophy, give examples of the philosophy, reward it in other people, that's now teaching it and transferring it throughout the ranks. And it's not one of those things that's a one and done. You'll have to continue to do it regularly, daily, weekly, annually, as new people come in, as new teams get new missions. You don't want to say to yourself, oh, well, they had that in employee orientation. Back in employee orientation, people don't even fully understand their jobs yet. Once they have 
been in the company for a while and they've been working, that same information is taken in at a deeper level with a different lens in mind. So you want to repeat the messages more than once at different stages of the team member's development because they're going to hear it differently and be able to use it at a higher level as their experience in your company grows and changes. And everything that you want your team members to understand about the importance of the customer, about the importance of going beyond just scores and rankings to really having true customer experience, everything you want them to understand about your philosophy of excellence, you also teach it by how you treat your team members. Treat them as the internal customers that they are in your business. And now they are learning by example. They are learning by modeling what customer experience looks like in your company and in your organization. So I hope that that helps you to think about ways that you could move forward in your organization, spreading the word of customer experience. And we'll end today with a Bible verse that comes from Philippians, the second chapter, and we'll read verses 14 through 15, which says, do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. That is a wonderful way to think about it. Remember, you are a light in the world and you want to operate with excellence. Do everything without complaining, without disputing, and without that scowl on your face that says, I'm not happy that you're here. I really don't want to help you or serve you. Do just the opposite and you will find you'll have customers and clients in abundance and repeat customers and clients who continue to come back to receive the special customer service and customer experience that you provide. And I'll remind you, if you haven't yet listened to the episode with Sandra Yancey, who is the founder and CEO of eWomen Network. Please listen to that episode where she unpacks the wow factor of customer experience. And also in this month, she is hosting her international conference called the Icon Conference and has offered a very special discount package for the listeners of my show. So make sure you listen to that episode, contact Sandra Yancey, and get the special VIP code and attend this year's ICON conference. Thank you for being here, and I'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening, and remember to go to my website, 
transleadership.com for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.